0: It's just one of those weeks we're so happy. There's so much energy about Star Trek in the universe right now, right, Jim? I mean, it, it, it's
1: funny. It's, uh, it's uh, positive energy and uh, I hate to say negative energy, but but frustrated, righteous indignation energy just with some of the things that are going on with Paramount Plus right now and uh, Prodigy and just all, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, certainly I want to be a good licensee and be supportive. But at the same time, like Paramount's not doing right by the fans, in my opinion, and uh, the fans are letting them hear it. And uh, we'll just have to see, you know, what happens with it all. But, uh, you know, uh, fingers crossed that somehow Prodigy finds a new home and someday we'll get the license and maybe we can do something with it. But for now, we're just kind of like, OK, just what does this mean? <laughs> we'll that
0: the way well, hey, you know, you know, I work in organizational development and business impact and marketing and communications, and data drives decisions. So, whatever data Paramount is looking at, I guarantee you that if they were raking in the cash with Prodigy, that would drive the decisions. So, something's happened. But I remind people that Star Trek: The Original Series was only on for three years, and the fans ended up altering the data so much so that we now have the 56 year legacy we have now. So don't give up. If people want Prodigy that bad, there will be vehicles that make it happen. Yep, I hear you. Right? Absolutely. And of course on continuing missions, we invite everyone who wants to, to feel free to contribute to the ongoing saga of those wonderful kids. Um, They are not dying in our memories and I hope to see some great fan fiction, at least spawned from Star Trek Adventures on that. Mm-hmm. nothing's in fact, today's subject, we're going on to Captain's log talking about chapter five, which is the rules of play. but there's nothing that stops anyone from using Captain's log to continue the adventures of Prodigy.
1: Seriously. yeah, absolutely. make, make up the characters and uh, and go forth. you yeah, write your own stories. In fact, yeah. uh, I think I was talking to somebody on social media about that earlier is that uh, you know what if you're frustrated with what Paramount's doing with Star Trek or you've got a great idea for a Star Trek series that you know is never going to see the light of day? Get this book, make it, make it up yourself. Write the story, write the story, and then share it with us so that we can read it and enjoy it.
0: Exactly. And so just so all of you who've just dropped in and don't know who the heck you're talking to right now, I'm Michael Dismuke. I am one of the co-hosts here of Continuing Conversations, which is all about Star Trek Adventures. RPG. I'm also a blogger on continuing missions and a freelance writer for Star Trek Adventures RPG. I had the privilege of being the lead writer on Captain's Log, which I hope to say ends up being the rave solo RPG of (laughs) 2023-2024. And let's introduce Jim Johnson.
1: Hey, everybody. Jim Johnson. I'm the uh, project manager and line editor for the Star Trek Adventures RPG, published by Medithias Entertainment. Below these many years now, seven years, going on eight and I am the co-host on this year's show with Michael Dismute now 90 episodes strong heading into uh working out well we're working on finishing up year 2 and then uh we, we probably should be thinking about what we want to do for that year 2 finale so, or or continue I mean it doesn't I mean it doesn't really it's not really a finale it's just a continuation right we just have an ongoing storyline but uh we're, hey. we're, we're approaching year 2 so the end of year 2 so we should probably think about something cool and special to do I, don't
0: know. I mean our year one celebration we we were honored to have dayton ward and scott pearson come but now we've made so many new allies um to to the game that we could really have a showcase come year two so we'll 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 start planning that now and send the invites out i i know i have a short list of who i'd love to show up to talk oh, about nice. the game Very cool. Very <laughs> that cool. would work but yeah cool. so we're
1: going to talk about uh chapter five yeah and uh I don't know how you want to set this up, Michael, but I know that you had an opportunity to talk to Allison uh, ahead of time because, uh, uh, you know, she's in the UK. And so the time zone has just made it challenging for us to all connect at the same time. But tell us a little bit about what uh, what, what that was. So that set up that piece of it.
0: Sure. So for weeks, we had been trying to get Allison Saib, who really was Key to developing the rules for Captain's Log, really, Allison took the lead. There was some input from me, Josh Allen, who we met earlier, who did Chapter Three. Um, Al Spader chimed in. Of course, you know uh, we had a bunch of other people take a look at it, but really, Allison took the lead on it. So I'm pleased to say that we were able to wrangle a time uh, to to match Allison's schedule. And what we're going to do is actually cut to that interview. We're going to go ahead and cut to that interview. And then when we come back, Jim, I'm going to be curious to hear what you have to say about chapter five, some of the challenges and the rewards of, of developing an entirely new rule set for Captain's Log. Does that sound good? Sounds great. Okay, so we'll cut to that. We'll be back in a moment. As promised, we wanted to make sure that we put a spotlight on all of the different people who are so heavily involved in creating uh, Captain's Log, uh, Star Trek Adventures solo RPG, first venture into solo RPG. Um, we had to really travel literally all the way across the world to nail this amazing interview that we're bringing into this episode and we're cutting into this episode. This is Allison Saib. Allison, why don't you introduce yourself and kind of tell us a little bit about um, your role with the Lower Decks, with the uh, <laughs> Lower Decks, wow. Sorry, we have so many new pubs coming out uh, with the we captain's log yeah. book. <laughs> so why don't you talk to us about your role with oh. captain's log?
2: Um, hi, I, I am Alton. I write uh, Star Trek adventures for Modiphius. Um, hello, uh, <laughs> um, and uh, we worked um, where well, we, well, we worked together on uh, on creating uh, the captain's log, um, which. Uh, by the um by the time this goes out i'm thinking uh, everyone will everyone
0: will know about it yeah they will they will and then since this is your first time on the show we've, we've tried so hard to get you on the show before allison and yeah. and it's yeah. a privilege to have you here but we got to ask you the question that we ask everyone who comes on the show for the first time so tell us your favorite star trek series and your favorite character
2: Ah, uh, oh God! Well, I I grew up with uh, with TNG. I, uh, I I at at about the the height of it, uh, Deep Space Nine came out, and it kind of became my favorite for the longest duration. Um, it's Strange New Worlds, of course. It's Strange New Worlds. I love Strange New
0: Worlds. Oh, oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! <laughs> yes. I mean, we, we're like, watching this. N-
2: it is not D Space Nine just off the top and just clawed its way on at number one. It really has.
0: I gotta give it to you. Just this week, are you are you up to date on season two episodes so far?
2: When you say just this week, I, I don't know how many weeks ahead this is going to be. Um, uh, we are recording oh, right. this as of week two. Correct. We've done episode two. Um I honestly hours. have to
0: say that this I, I've been going I've been watching after episode two and I've been I've been vacillating all week if this is my favorite Star Trek episode ever
2: yeah that was that was an episode um we watched it less than 24 hours ago i am still like still working through it
0: (laughs) i'm about to go into my third i'm about to go into my third watch so so fantastic okay so strange new worlds that's great to hear your favorite series so far and your favorite character
2: uh, oh goodness are, are we talking like the whole of star trek yes or yes whole of star trek um uh, oh that's that's hard garrick wonderful we love garrick wonderful. yes
0: <laughs> definitely top three for me top three So yes. uh, seven's my favorite um she's a prophecy come true back when mm. she was on the show that has developed in ways i really had wanted them to develop the character so i'm not yeah. but, but definitely garrick is the one who entertains me the most when I watch. So I have to... (laughs) He's just fantastic, really. Indeed, indeed. Okay, fantastic. We got through those formalities. So now let's jump into this. For those of you um, who want a little background, um, Allison was really the chief developer um, of this new game set. Uh, We worked along with Allison, uh, myself and uh, Al Spader. Really running a lot about like what's this game about how are these mechanics going to work so really I want to hear from you when you first heard about this project knowing having played Star Trek Adventures before in that rule Mm -hmm. set tell us about the emotions the challenges what you what you were confronting
2: I mean it was it was it was a it was a big surprise for uh for like to be told this is one of the projects that we're working on um to do essentially a a solo RPG for for That that's I just thought, wow, that's ambitious. Mm-hmm. That is ambitious, um, and I think coll- collaboratively between all of us, we each had different experiences with uh, with solo RPGs, and we were able to just pick pieces from from each other's ideas to to put it together. But first, uh, first up, I just thought that's a really really ambitious project. How's that all going to work? How's it going to take shape? And just the, the development of it was just kind of an an exercise and just watching it take shape. That was amazing.
0: Yeah, I want to talk about that too, because I'll tell you about, we we worked primarily over email. Yeah, we we never even had one Zoom call to discuss development. It was all over email and, and, and text pretty much. Yeah. But like I want big, but, big, yes. big emails. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So let's go backwards a little bit though. Talk to us about your experience with Star Trek Adventures as a role-playing game. And then if you want to a little bit about mm. uh well let's start there and then I'll have a follow-up question.
2: Well I um I, I first got into Star Trek Adventures like basically the uh the 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 year it came out um or actually actually yeah because I, I, I picked up the rule book um, just with within the first few months um gave her gave her a good read through didn't get the chance to uh, to run it until um until the the starter set came out um, whereupon that, that just made it really accessible we were able to just bring that along to our local club um put some, put some game games on the table. Uh, we, we had some people who were really curious about how it worked. Um, you know, obviously you're doing a role play club. You're going to have some Trekkies in there. So yeah, of course we, uh, we did it. And I just thought that's, that's solid. I'm going to do a campaign, put together a campaign, had so much fun with that. That was, that was like, um, j- just six months without that those six months standards are an incredibly strong campaign. Uh, one of, one of the favorite ones that I've ever had, just so many great memories with it. And I thought at this point, great, I've had so much fun with this. I, I get so many ideas, um, just while playing it like other ways that these adventures can go. Um, uh, so, so I reached out, um, you know, that was, that was about the time I was getting into the industry. I, I reached out and I said, Hey, um, you you know Jim? Could you like uh, if if you're like looking for other writers? And he said, "Yes, we are. Come aboard." And I was like, "Okay, cool." Awesome. Yeah, awesome.
0: Awesome. Glad to have you. And then, what was the very first thing you wrote?
2: For uh, Star Trek Adventures. Oh, oh that was uh, that that was that was for Discovery. Uh, the the our, our first Discovery rule book. Right. Um. Uh, well, setting book. Setting book.
0: Setting book. Yeah. Yes. Mission mission. Uh, we call them a. Uh, Source books, source books, yeah, source (laughs) books, yeah, exactly, cool. And I know we had tried to get you on an interview for that when we were going over the discovery source book too. We weren't able to. What what was your contribution to that?
2: Uh, Those time differences are so so (laughs) tricky for us. They really (laughs) Mm -hmm. are. I did an adventure for that one, um, which was uh, it it was like the uh, the the horror themed kind of surreal. Thing where where you've got like hallucinations going on aboard the ship. Mm-hmm. Um because like some of the earliest Star Trek shows I, I I watched was uh was like towards the end of like uh TNG like season season five season six season seven mm-hmm. when when they really started to have a, a bunch of those kind of uh themes and uh, and and styles um ex- explored in the ship and uh, on the show and I just kind of thought okay I would really like to get something like that you know into one of these, uh, into one of these books, because I think was was it uh, the uh, the third episode of, of first season of Discovery was uh, was one of those dark corridors. There's a there's a scary creature in there. Mm. It, it was like a good horror theme kind of uh, kind of a show. And in um, the end of it, it was uh, it was um, it was uh, the Tardigrade, which was just yeah awesome. I want I want the Tardigrade back. Yeah, um, the,
0: the, I mean those are fun. I I like that you wrote yeah. that one because my favorite episodes of Star Trek tend to be the ones where they don't leave the ship. Hmm. I'm a, I'm a homebody and an introvert. I hate leaving my house. So I love the fact that I wouldn't have to, I wouldn't actually have to leave my ship and still be able to have an incredible adventure. So that's cool that that those are some of the episodes you like.
2: But you're on your ship right now, aren't you? Ship,
0: I'm on my ship. I'd like not to have to leave. Believe me, anytime I have to leave the house, I tell my wife, this is an away mission. You know, <laughs> let's go on our away mission. We've got to get back to the ship. All right, good, good. Okay, cool. And so that was the Discovery Sourcebook. And then finally, now, you know, you're getting you you're used to the Star Trek Adventure uh yep. rule set. And then all of a sudden now here comes Captain's log. So we're in chapter five, rules mm. of play. How did you tackle this? What was your approach initially?
2: Uh initially, uh we we kind of uh we kind of looked at what um what main rules we wanted to bring from Star Trek Adventures and pair down to uh to to a single-player system, um, just kind of uh, kind of looking at it and going, okay, this rule is kind of universal that can apply no matter how many players you've got. Um, so try and incorporate that into uh, into. Into how a, a single-player solo format would work—that um, was kind of like the the first bridge to cross because that kind of gave us this the skeleton, like the, uh, the the main structure that we could start uh, bringing other concepts onto and then placing them on board. Uh, so that was kind of step one for
0: it. Had you played solo RPGs before?
2: Uh yes uh they're, they're, I mean I kind of grew up on the uh, the choose your own adventure kind of books so mm-hmm. um like they are the uh you know like the introductory uh kind of uh role-playing game i was gonna say like tabletop role-playing game but you know the, the, the books that don't necessarily have tables but yeah that's it's it, it was uh they were at, at the time like being a child of the 80s they they were like mm-hmm. designed for them i don't know if i can drop any names but the the fighting fantasy ones and the lone long sure ones.
0: yeah because yeah, me, i, I dropped names because people will may want to go explore those and buy them on amazon or wherever they can find them ebay
2: yeah yeah i mean absolutely um they they they're the ones with like the the multiple numbered paragraphs so the, at the end of them they give you like a decision go to this uh, one you, you go to that one you've got like a monster you have to fight you roll some dice for it they were designed to introduce you to uh to to role play games and uh, the Final Fantasy ones in particular, Steve Jackson and Neil Livingston, uh, who who wrote them, like set out to introduce uh, Dungeons and Dragons to the uh, to the UK via those as a medium. Um, so that that was kind of like uh, probably one of my earliest. Uh, introductions to tabletop role-playing games mm-hmm. uh, so and and they're all essentially solo games like single-player games I remember that uh they had like a like a box set with two of them which was a two-player book um and yeah that was that was an interesting thing um I I covered that way way back with uh with uh with a friend of mine Stuart Lloyd on um uh, on the Finding Fantasy uh podcast actually I don't know if I did cover that particular one we've we've covered a lot of them together but um yeah it was kind of uh kind of really quite fascinating um and a bunch of the other ones lone wolf in particular um started out like that um mm. and yeah they uh, they kind of were my main influence going into the Captain's log like how to bring some element of that where you can kind of structure a narrative going from a point to another point, to another point, to another point, mm-hmm. and how you can allow the player to, uh, to do that. Um, and then we started to look at uh, how to create something that was um, more self generating as well, which was, which was right. fascinating.
0: So um, let me, let me ask you this then. So say I'm picking up this book for the first time, what, how do I need to gear my brain now that you've helped, you know, develop the rule set? How do I need to gear my brain to get the most out of it? You know, maybe I'm picking up the mm-hmm. book, reading chapter five. What what advice would you give people?
2: Um, if you've played Star Trek Adventures before... You're going to feel quite familiar with with what you're doing. Uh, you're going to be uh, finding problems, challenges that will come up, and you'll you'll be responsible for tackling them um, in a variety of different uh, means and methods. Um, if you're not, if this is going to be your your first introduction to the world of Star Trek adventures, then. You're in for a real treat, I think. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that was one of the the, the main philosophies that we that we decided really early on uh, that we wanted someone to be able to pick this up and to to run it and and for it to be an introduction. You could also take. Uh, like a character that you that you know, like maybe you're regular from Star Trek Adventures and play that character in Captain's Log. You could take a character from Captain's Log, play that character in Star Trek Adventures. You know, you could have interconnectivity
0: with yes. that. Um, Jim, so- Jim and I were just talking about um, that that point for someone who's new to the game. They don't need to know anything about Star Trek Adventures. Yeah. Right. And that was one of the design points of it is we wanted people just to jump in and have fun from the beginning. And I think you did a really good job um, making it because to me, one of the challenges that I saw we were having initially. <laughs> pardon me. One of the ch- ch- problems we were having initially was figuring out what's too simple. Right. We were like, let's simplify, yeah. simplify, simplify. So uh, did you find that really <laughs> hard like did you feel it was too simple at some point points, and added a little complication how did you balance that
2: i think we uh we got a really good balance on it um because uh like like you say you're you're essentially taking a fully fledged system and cutting it down and cutting it down and cutting it down you can always put things back onto it as well as you go and we did that several times too uh which was which was just yeah i think i think we really kind of like put a nice uh, nice structure onto it um i i don't uh, i don't think we uh, we cut anything that um uh that like stayed out because it it wasn't wasn't useful we kept everything that uh that felt useful um that felt like it would be smooth for a one-player system i I remember there was one of them that, that we were looking at and just going um how would this really work we want to keep it because it's it was it was a. It was it was such a familiar part of Star Trek adventures. Um, I can't remember which piece it was, but but like later on, we realized we're going to have to restructure it. it um, I mean, yeah. we're going back over a year now, aren't
0: right, we? Right. I know. I know. Yeah. We've been sitting on this for a while. The, yeah. One of the things. One of the things that I know you did, and and we I think contributed to also was we kept it super simple, but then we gave the option of how people could make it more crunchy if no, they wanted to. We did. To, yes. Right? Yeah, right? And so we kept doing these inset boxes like, well, if you wanted yep. to be a little bit more complicated, here are some options. And I thought that was cool. Yeah. So we really so those of you picking up the book for the first time, <clears throat> you could ignore the inset boxes and just see the boiled down basic, especially if you're more narratively compelled. But if you're using this as a writing tool, um next week's episode is about chapter 6. <clears throat> where we're having, uh, Jacob Ross and, um, Chris McCarver come on where we talk about, okay, here, here's how to write a story. But this chapter five is about, here's the rule set different, different, right? Yeah. on that one there. Um, one of the things that was created was a mission tracker. It's on page one eighty six. Yep. And can you give a brief explanation for those who are looking at the mission tracker for the first time? Why, why the mission tracker?
2: Uh, so your mission tracker um in in this one is we realized when you're creating a story um and and this is like any kind of story whether whether you're reading a story, you know, pick up a book, watch a film. All of those stories have structures. uh you have like your first act, uh your your challenge, your your secondary act. Uh, leads into a complication uh, twist, the finale. Every episode of Star Trek, because each episode of Star Trek is a story, works to that same plot structure. Uh, Your mission tracker is your way uh, as a player of seeing that structure. It, it, It divides the story into art each of which you are able to basically use the mission tracker as a as a tool to uh, to create a pace and a flow to the story and kind of chart I, I say chart but kind of gauge your level of success um, as you go um, And of course that feeds into the uh, into the next part which was uh, which was how you write the story because essentially you're playing a game about putting a story together.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I love it. I, I, you know, play the game now myself. Um, and one of the things that I had to learn early on, so I'll give this tip to people who are playing it is at first, when you read through, you think that the first task, once you complete a task that that's the end of that check off a box on the mission tracker. No, <clears throat> that could be the case, but you could say, well, no, this scene will be comprised of a multiple tasks. And a bunch of roles in order to decide what the outcome of that scene is. And then at the end of that scene, you check off that box and move on to the next one. So that's something that advice I give to people is um, read carefully the rule set that Allison developed about what makes the end of a scene also. What makes it so that you check off that box? Because that, for me, creates a lot of variety of play.
2: Yeah, it's it's all um, it, it was all kind of in service of creating the idea of how does an episode of star trek um play out you reach the end of a scene uh, that scene doesn't just sit in a bubble it will impact what happens next and what happens next and you can kind of like use the mission to- tracker to uh to, to guide you through this yeah. um it's it it's about uh, giving yourself permission to uh to to create inspiration as you go
0: yeah. And what I do is, is I'm in season, you know, in act two of any story, that's where things just start falling apart. The world is crumbling yeah. in act two. So what I noticed I did is, as I got into act two, I started rolling way more complications and, and, yes. and, 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 uh, threat roles on myself. And I said, I'm not going to try to go for a solution. I'm going to yeah. make things as bad as possible. Yeah. And then I'm going to try to dig myself out in act three.
2: Yeah. It's so, all about giving yourself permission to, to go with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so that's really, to me, what's the crux of this. Um, and then that moves us over to page 192, talking about momentum and threat, because mm. it is different than Star Trek Adventures. For those of you who played Star Trek Adventures, re-gear your brain. For those who are new to this this is new to you it's going to be way simplified so talk to us a little about how you evolved momentum and threat into the system
2: oh goodness it's been so long ago since I did that. <laughs> you want me to read uh,
0: off the choices for you i
2: i know that we uh that that we uh uh going going back we we really reworked how uh how momentum worked it was uh it was you boiled either, it down
0: you really yeah boiled it down.
2: You, you don't Gain momentum like as points. It's something that you either have or you don't. Correct. If I remember right. Yeah. In fact,
0: yeah. So, so, so that's the biggest thing is before you have these big pools of momentum and threat. And we went, nope, we're going to use it almost like a plot point where, where now if you generate momentum, you can re roll a dice, you can add an advantage. So go to the table and add an advantage or, um, some sort of uh, you can do a, uh, what's called a momentum spin table to to see things that benefit your character. Um, you can use it to eliminate threat if you've rolled and generated threat, or you can save it. But you can never have more than one at a time. Yeah. And we play tested that. And I was like, oh, th- this actually really really works. <clears throat>
2: it was it was just really funny. That, that, as you can tell, that's the that's the piece that stuck with me. Just kind of taking that the 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 thing is when. When you're playing Star Trek Adventures, you can generate momentum and it can go into a pool. Um, so you have the entire group around the table, generating momentum, keeping the flow of the story going. When there's just one of you and you're you're doing it solo, you have momentum as a character. So that's what's pushing you forward. So you wanted you either have momentum audits or you don't and you want to push back in to have that momentum going again. Yeah. Um, I just thought... Yeah,
0: Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead.
2: Yeah, I just thought that, you know, that worked a whole lot better when you have like a, a solo kind of experience um, yeah, if you yeah. have like uh, I think the, the if, if I remember right the the usual is like uh, no no it is I know I know this you have six momentum max mm-hmm. in, in the pool um, yeah. of course I know that I don't know why I was doubting myself <laughs> <laughs> um, and for a, for a group of six players um, that divides up usually to about one and um, yeah it, it just kind of like on a maths level it felt right
0: yeah, and then on the flip side, threat. I'm gonna give people some advice. If you really want to keep your, the tension up in your game, threat could be used if you generate threat, which was would be rolling a D20. Um, uh. So once you do that, you either create a complication against you roll on the random tables to see how your life is getting worse, or you increase difficulty. And what I liked about that one is, I increase difficulty a lot, meaning you now have to roll with your two D20, two successes on your next challenge. And that's probably the one I use the most is increased difficulty because it sets you up for failure quite a bit, which you wanna have happening in act two of a story. as your world is crumbling around you. So again, really super simple, but I can tell you right now from playing multiple games, I sit there having these epiphany moments. I talk about this with Jim, epiphany moments where it's like, oh, my God, it's so horrible. Okay, how am I going to get out of this? And I'm sitting there on the couch and my wife is like, what are you doing? I'm like, (laughs) oh, you don't understand how bad it is for my captain right now. So um, I I have to congratulate you on something so simple, but that's full of so much drama.
2: (laughs) Any any time you're using uh, you're using threat in, uh, in in captain's log, you are giving yourself permission to make things exciting and dramatic and complicated. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, love that.
0: Yeah, and then one of the things we worked on um, was values, directives, and focuses, which are, of course, mm-hmm. different in uh, Captain's Log, so make sure to read through that. Um, one of the things I noticed, we have a lot of inset boxes with examples of play. What was the intention yeah. around What was your intention around that?
2: I love writing examples for how rules work. <laughs> it's it's so easy. So, I say it's so easy as a player to kind of go, okay that's how that works wait wait is that actually how it works if you if you have like an example of it like you're seeing uh, you're seeing like on the page a, a character go this is how this this rule works you 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 are reading along as someone's as someone's it 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 sinks in and it clicks and you feel confident with it um really we use those to uh to kind of build the the reader's confidence with it because it's a solo game uh you 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 won't necessarily have a GM to kind of go, it it, it works like this, Um, or or, or other players that bounce the ideas off and go, how does this work? You need to be fully confident with what you're doing. And if you have and like mm-hmm. uh, like a, a box after after each rule to kind of uh, say so this is how it would work for that character you can read over and you can feel confident that you know exactly how it works and you can launch in and you're, n- you're not so you're not so worried if you get the rule like n- you're not 100% with it because you've seen how it works so you can go okay that's how it works you feel confident and you feel right with it
0: Yep. And I want to emphasize that again, every rule has an example, which I thought was brilliant. And then one of the things we did, we worked with Josh um, Allen, who uh, was uh, primarily the writer of chapter three about character creation, because we wanted to make sure we had visualizations for the rules um yeah. and so like on page 203 let's talk about combat because i think this is probably the one we went back and forth the most on developing oh, we did yeah. right was the yeah. combat rules what was the challenge you saw there uh
2: the challenge of that one was uh was that, that a lot of that was looking at what what uh what we would consider you know balance for the uh for the player um we, we didn't want it to kind of boil down to rolling dice like repeatedly over and over for like uh, here's for my character here it is for Klingon on NPC a Klingon on npc2 you, you you're rolling you're rolling you're rolling and you you're just kind of thinking okay so all i'm doing here is rolling dice i'm not putting a story together for it so we had to kind of really go back and forth on how do we how how do we like make this mesh in a in a solo game where both you're keeping your deci- decisions matter and have impact to the story where you have threat with combat because you, you need like risk, challenge, reward in order to uh to to feel, you know. Feel that it's worthwhile to feel that there's any real sense of danger and and uh, and excitement with it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that one we really needed to go uh, to go back and forth with it because uh the the approach that you would normally take in in building a role playing game um, for a group of people doesn't necessarily apply with cap with uh, with Captain's Log.
0: Yeah, and I want to say because in a crunchier game like Star Trek Adventures, if you have three Good guys and three opponents. There's a lot of dice rolling. In this one, it's more. And this is I'm going to help frame people with this. It's more. Does your character's actions in this round benefit them or put them in more threat? It's not. Did you make that punch? I think it's so easy to fall back into RPG. Like, did I did I slash him? Did I shoot him? <clears throat> think more like, what's my character's action this round when they're cornered in the alley by three thugs? Mm -hmm. Now, we're not going to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's what was the action at round? Roll for it. Was it successful? Ah, narrate why that was successful. If it failed, narrate why it failed. So that's going to be one of the big things I'm emphasizing when I'm showing people how to play this game is during combat. It's not about taking down shields or taking 13 stress. It's about things are going well for you or they're not going well for you. Narrate that, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then if people do want it crunchier, we actually have inset boxes about that too. It's like go ahead, if you want to, yeah, go ahead and bring in rules from Star Trek Adventures and run stress and damage that way, right?
2: Yeah. It's like we want to we want to give players the uh, the option to uh to to bring in as as much as they can. Um, but at the same time, we want you to be able to 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 pick it up and get the get the exact focus on on what you're wanting and the, the focus is uh, is for the character because this is you know for the captain's log you know it's it's, exactly. it's your character what's the most important thing for your character at the moment
0: yep and the ships are treated the, basically the same way we're gonna you're gonna see that there's a, a roll chart for ship battles and um think of it the same way it's not whether or not you're losing four shields or taking two breaches it's whether did this round turn out for well for you or not Okay. Cool. All right, so then um the chapter pretty much wraps up talking about the different modes of play um mm-hmm. and you want to talk to us a little bit about that.
2: Oh, yeah. Um I I I really like um the the um <laughs> uh just the, the sheer variety of of, of different like formats and, and like i ideas that uh, that that we that we brought in there um i i was right on board with the idea that you can make a make a character in captain's log and have that as as a as a format for you know a kind of own personal campaign mm-hmm.
0: um, yeah.
2: that was that was awesome um and just having the uh, I, again we can touch on the interconnectivity here can't we
0: yeah. And that's yes. a, and that's the thing, too, is we talk about porting the characters back and forth or even I, I call it a campfire game. It would be possible now to sit at a campfire with your friends and play, use Captain's Logs rules as mm-hmm. opposed to pulling out a big thing with all these momentum chips and threat chip. You can actually play a collaborative game using Captain's yep. Log for those who are really storytelling. So I thought that was really nice that that was developed as an option with the rule set.
2: I just love the, uh, the 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 modes that we had that allowed it for for kind of uh, ongoing missions, like like campaign kind of kind of structure of that. Like you go on a mission, you you take these elements with you to the next thing. You kind of you take a little little piece of uh, of each mission with you along to kind of create the uh the the captain's log
0: exactly well i mean for you you know just thinking about the all the work that you put into this allison that that this is groundbreaking to me i mean this is the first ip that i know of that has done a solo rpg to this level yeah
2: yeah i i i love that and i love the idea that your character that you create that's your captain you are creating their missions, you know, so you're, you're personalizing it. It's, it's your captain's log. That's your book.
0: Yep. We we've talked about people using this to flesh out their career events that they actually play in Star Trek adventures too. So now if you're rolling your career events, why not go roll in captain's log, Mm -hmm. what that adventure was, because that will make way more of an indelible print on your memory. If you decide to transport that character over Star Trek adventures, you're going to be like, Oh, I played that game by myself, you know? So good option now. Good option. All right. Any last advice that you want to give before we cut back to our regularly recorded show with Jim? <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, Definitely, uh, definitely give it a shot. Uh, pick up a copy of uh, of Log because we all worked really, really hard on it, <laughs> as as you know. Um, I and and most important thing is remember it's it's a game about creating story. The rules are there to allow you to create the most exciting story that you can. So take advantage of of every chance that you get in it to create something that's exciting and stays with you. And is- is a lot of fun and um if i can also um if you uh if if anyone who's listening can also like tweet hashtag save star trek prodigy
0: <laughs> word <laughs> very good because that is such a good
2: show and save star trek prodigy we, we love we love prodigy
0: you know it is let me let me talk about this because this will be the first time we actually talk about it on the show i know we're this is gonna air in late july or august but prodigy teaches kids star trek and that's why it yeah. was so valuable to me that even it really is yeah, right it really is episode by episode it teaches you one facet one trope of star trek mm. and um that's going to be that's going to make it an everlasting show to me because i will be sh- telling people to watch it if, <laughs> one one's sorry <clears throat> the first season will get you through everything you need to know about the star trek universe which is really yeah. cool all right, do you wanna do gratitude? Uh, we usually close with gratitude, but since you're our guest and we're cutting back to the other show, why don't you close with gratitude for us?
2: Um, oh, oh dear. <laughs> I'm <not> really shy.
0: <laughs> you can think anything. <laughs> you could think the butterfly that landed on your windowsill, I don't care.
2: Um, I oh goodness, I I don't know. Well, thank you very much for for having me on. Um, as you know, it has been um, it has been difficult to uh, to to get this booked in. Um, for for everyone who's listening, I'm in the I'm in the UK, and you are like all the way over in the states. Um, like eight hour just,
0: difference, right? Nine hour.
2: It's 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 yeah. It's about um. I, I don't know what time wait, is it? A plus,
0: no, we're 11 hours difference because I'm is in California. I, I'm in California and oh, right and right now we're recording this at about one it's about one pm PST here and you're what landing on what time? It is just coming up to nine o'clock. Yeah, yeah. So we yeah. Oh so that's are a 9 Are we on hour. the same
2: are we on the same day?
0: I don't wait. Yeah, is I'm it on the, Saturday. Is
2: it the, I am, yeah, it's the 24th. (laughs) I am from your
0: future. I love that. That's just (laughs) awesome. Can you please tell me what I should be investing in right now? I should call you on (laughs) Monday. I should call you on Mondays, actually, when the stock market opens. All right. um, And
2: I will also thank thank, uh, one of my friends from the States who was able to send me over my Star Trek hoodie. um, That's tough it does give me my my rank
0: so. you're a captain i am a captain oh i would have referred to you like that i'm sorry <laughs> I Just kidding.
2: well <laughs> i uh, i worked on captain's log so of course i've got my own ship oh <laughs>
0: uh, what is it oh it's actually tell me about that the game you play what is your ship
2: uh we have the uh the uss sutherland which uh which is a constitution class uh yes.
0: starship yeah that's right that's can it's a cannon ship too isn't it
2: yeah i kind of like autoed one from the uh, from the canon to just kind Nothing of wrong with that. to play from
0: <laughs> okay awesome all right well allison it's been a pleasure to meet you finally after all this time like i said we were only talking electronically so seeing you face to face is wonderful
2: yes absolutely oh this has been brilliant thank you so much for having me on um you mentioned gratitudes that's the big one okay it really is.
0: <laughs> all right great all right thanks again
2: oh thank you so much take care
0: All right. It was so nice to get into the head of Allison and really figure out the challenges that they were posed with. One of the things that, you know, in review that we talked about was really, Jim, your instructions to us when we designed this game was to make it so that someone who never played Star Trek Adventures before could actually pick it up, digest the rule set and be off on solo RPG for those who Our fans of Star Trek Adventures, we had a double-edged sword in a sense. Not only did we have to make it so that they have the option to port their character and start playing solo RPG if they already have a character in Star Trek Adventures, but we had to put enough meat in here that they could actually contribute and add on to their current Star Trek Adventures. So one of the big things that came out was... Man, have you ever thought about using Captain's Log in order to build the career events that Star Trek Adventures always talks about uh, that happen? So, playing out your career events to enrich in your character. So, Allison was able to, as we just heard, Allison was able to talk a lot about that. But, Jim, I really want to talk to you about um, the history of these rules of play. What were some of the challenges you were concerned about um, in trying to transform and make the first solo RPG for Modiphius, uh for Star Trek Adventures?
1: Yeah, I think um the the biggest uh like when we were putting together the the prioritized requirements for this and we you know we were putting together the Moscow list, you know, which is the must-have, should have, could have, won't have list that we we do for all of our projects. Uh we really wanted this to be accessible to to new gamers, but also new fans of Star Trek, right? We wanted it to make it as easy as possible to get into the game, get playing, and and go start telling your own adventures and not have to get mired in. Elaborate um, mechanics or metacurrencies or just you know all that extra great stuff that's in Star Trek Adventures. We wanted to try to streamline the rule set as much as possible, uh, so you can just get right into the drama, right into the game, just like if you're watching an episode of Star Trek. Right, we wanted to remove as many barriers as possible. So, um, you know, that was going to be the per- the biggest challenge, in my opinion, was like, okay, how do we take the the robust Star Trek Adventures rule set that has been award winning, proven over seven years solid overall Um, and like how do we streamline that in in such a manner that we can make it really effective for a for a narrative heavy game so that was the biggest thing Uh, there were some additional bits like we really want flow charts we want flow charts of like how to play how to create your character how to create your ship we wanted to make it visual and easy for people to get into it and like just look at one page and say okay there's a flow chart i got it i'm off and running Uh, because that's something that we weren't able to include in the first rendition of Star Trek Adventures, like the the the, the standard core book, because uh, I mean, that was seven years ago, we probably didn't have it in our brain or in our DNA. It, it's taken us time to learn how to do this better or more effectively or whatever. Um, and so like all that stuff that we've been learning over the last seven years, all the insights that we gained from working on the player guide and the game master guide, that all kind of folded into Catherine's log is like, okay, we want to we do this different, a little bit differently um And uh, and make it work. So I, I know that there was a pretty large, uh, you know, tall order handed to you, <laughs> and me and the team. Um, and of course, at the time, you know, I was developing four, three other books at the same time in, in addition to this one. And I, I you know, I, I uh, one one night I came to, um, you know, I was doing some introspection and just thinking about it and looking at the production schedules. And I was like, "There's no way I can do all four of these books by myself. There's just no way." Mm-hmm. Um, and so I reached out to you uh, to be the lead writer on this one. I reached out to um, Al Spader to be the lead writer on another one. And, uh, and and by you two being able to take on a little bit more responsibility than you've done before, that freed me up to finish those other two books and and really focus on those two to get them to where they needed to be, um, which you know is really
0: important to all the product lines anyway.
1: Uh, so I, I know I kind of handed you a tall order on this
0: one. It was but, good. Uh, it made me appreciate you more yeah. about what you do every day with the books. So yeah, <laughs> it was a good lesson.
1: Thanks. But I think you and Allison and uh, um, everybody else who got involved, that you know, that we brought into the orbit to work on it, uh, did a fabulous, fabulous job. But uh, I don't know where you want to start necessarily. Well, I'm just looking at the well one of
0: the things that we didn't talk about, Allison and I, which you just kind of touched on is those flow charts. We talked a little bit about flow charts, but. I know that one of the things I was looking to with the design of the game was I knew I would want to be printing out the pages, especially the flow charts and a lot of the different rules or or um, uh, probability matrices. And I have a wall right here. I know no one can see it, but I have actually a huge bare wall here. And I said... When I'm playing the game, I'm gonna actually have it up here for quick reference. So the game was designed with that aspect too. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe we, you know, we went through and talked about some of the basic, um, some of the rules, some of the basic rules we did touch on that. One of the things we didn't touch on was on page 181. Um, we had talked about examples of playing that they're interspersed in here, but yeah. 181 and 182 is probably one of the most intensive examples of play I've seen since the core rule book. Mm-hmm. where we really break down how to generate a mission, right? So again, that was part of your instructions to us to make it super simple. How do you think that's different from a lot of the other books? Or do you think it's the same or?
1: Um, well, I think uh, like if you look at the uh, the the standard edition core book that came out seven years ago, I think Nathan did a really good job of putting a lot of the examples in there. Um, but as, not but, he put a lot of great examples into the book. As we've gotten fan response over the years, um, especially for some of the the key mechanical components, uh, fans have been watching more examples, right? And, and then they, so they go to the internet, they look for videos of people explaining it, they look for other blog posts of explaining the rules, etc. And and when enough people are saying we need more explanation, that tells me we either need more examples in the book, or we need to do another pass through the rules. Um, you know, um, verbiage and clean that up or both, right? Maybe, maybe it's a combination of the two. You you do super clear language in the rules and then you do super clear examples that relate directly to the, um, not just to the show, but also to the to the rules you're presenting. And so we knew, like, and I know like uh, in the Klingon core book, we provided additional examples on like, here's how Starship combat works step-by-step, step, you know, going through an example, providing an example and laying that all out. And then for this book, I really wanted to take that to the next level, right? So not only are we using flowcharts to explain the gameplay and, and the, and the life paths and stuff, but here's some super clear examples taking you step by step through the rules, through the dice rolls, through the, you know, the, the momentum span, the threat spend, whatever. Um, just trying to do as much as we can to make it clear. Um, so I think the examples that you, you guys, you and the team put together are, are more. Comprehensive than I've ever seen. I mean, certainly in a Star Trek Adventures book, and uh, I would I would struggle to think of another game that I've seen such clear, such detailed examples in in, in any of their supplements. I'm sure they're out there. And, you know, and this is me being ignorant because I've been in a Star Trek bubble for seven years. You know, Star Trek, Star Trek Adventures bubble for seven years. I've looked at other books. I've looked at uh, you know, The One Ring and the Forbidden Lands. And I see some examples in there, but it's never enough. Like, especially certain books, I want more robust examples of how to either create a character or do task resolution or whatever. And I get frustrated when it's not there because then that means I have to go to the Internet and start digging. And that frustrates yeah. me more because, like, I, then I think about as a project manager, I think about how how many gamers are out there, gamers are out there who don't have reliable Internet or just don't go online to interact, right? Like I, we've already talked about this extensively um, on other shows where um, I know that there's gotta be a huge gamer base of Star Trek Adventures who are buying the books, playing the game and they're just not online. They're just not talking about it online. Like I can see the numbers. I see the sales numbers and I see the numbers of our total audience on like Discord or the official forums or whatever. And there's a significant disparity. Yeah. You know, <laughs> which is, you know, they're just not talking about it, which is fine, you know? What's I, it I than playing it,
0: you know? Yeah, and to that point, one of the things that was different about this, and Allison touched on it a bit, you know, people who pick up Star Trek Adventures may tend to be game masters, and they're rallying people to come in. People picking up solo RPG, you are your own game master. So you don't really, you may not have that forum of discussion that you, you, like you said, there's the people online who are, a lot of game masters are online helping each other out. Someone picking up solo RPG may not be part of that community. Does this book have enough examples of play and explanations that they're okay? And that was a huge concern mm-hmm. with the design of the game. Are the rules digestible on one take so that you don't have to conference with others mm-hmm. on it? And and all those lessons learned, you talked about from, from the previous core rule books. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I think the the thing that... that um you know the the thing I'm nervous about, and this isn't nervous in like a bad way. It's just like the anticipation. I don't know how this book is going to hit, right? Like I don't I don't know what to expect because we've never done this before, and and we've been very careful not to say anything about this book until until the press release comes out and then the preorders at the same time. So like we we dropped this book on on the on the world and on the Star Trek you know uh, Star Trek Adventures audience and the Star Trek audience pretty much with zero fanfare, very little fanfare. And uh, that's just a, that's just a different experiment that we're trying out just to see what happens, but uh, we won't know if these examples are effective until we start getting feedback from the fan base, right? I mean, we did play testing, we did internal play testing extensively, right? We spent a lot of time play testing this mm-hmm. game, and uh, I know that you had a you had a lot of people in the play test circles that you were working with that were like, oh, they love the game, and that's great, um, but there was that learning curve that they had you to help them with, right? Right. You know, and and what I'm a little nervous about mm. is, and again, this is not a bad thing, it's just an observation is that these, uh, these examples are very comprehensive uh, and it's a lot of text to read, right? Because there's really no other way to do it. Like you have to present the text and you have to read mm-hmm. the book. Um, what I'm thinking though, is I, I suspect that you and I and other people will probably take to social media or Twitch or YouTube or whatever. And we're gonna be playing this game live online or we're gonna be recording it online and getting it up there just so people can see visually How does it actually play in practice? Yeah. In fact,
0: Um, two weeks after this recording, I think we're actually going to do a play. We're going to show people how to, how to, we're going to do a riff session and we're going to show, we're going to roll dice and we're going to actually show people how to launch our adventure. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah. Um, But, uh, but yeah, so I think, um, I I mean, just looking at the book from, from a gamer perspective, I'm like, wow, this is super comprehensive. And uh, talking to other people, a couple other people that I've done interviews with, they're like, wow, this is super comprehensive in terms of examples and, and like how to play the game how to tell stories, how to how to be an effective, um, you know, not fanfic writer, but to be thinking about the writer, the writerly stuff, because that's part of what this is. Um, so, so yeah, I think, uh, you know, that was certainly a design challenge for the team was to like make sure, you know, not only use flow charts, not only streamline the rule set, but also put really clear, good examples in here on how to play the thing. And I remember you and I talking a lot, um, as we were moving toward layout, in terms of like okay what order do we want the chapters to be in like what do we present mm-hmm. first what do we present second and and there was always i i know there was a few times where i was pushing back and saying look i think you got great content here and you got great content here but i think they need to be combined and and your argument was no we got to present the rules first and then go into the storytelling yeah. and i think ultimately i think you were right uh, which is which is good
0: <laughs> well you know it wasn't me it was I'll, I'll say it's nathan dowdell because what inspired that was a comment nathan dowdell made in fact in a previous interview where he said people play rpg not just to tell a story chapter six of captain's log or just to play with rules chapter five of captain's log they play rpg to mix rules with story and yeah. so that's why i differentiated that inspired by nathan dowdell
1: yeah and it, it took me a while to get that piece of it right because like for the longest time we were looking at word documents and a lot of pieces of word documents and flow and spreadsheets and uh, components right and it it took me a while until it was finally all together the manuscript was all together in in the chapter um breakdowns i was like okay now it's starting to sink in now i'm really starting to understand what we're doing with it um and then it totally crystallized for me once i finally got it in layout like once i actually saw it in the layout in the in, in the structure with the graphics and the flow charts and everything else i was like oh oh now i get it and now it's really come together and uh, you know, it, it didn't hurt when I got the the print proofs from the factory of the of the unbound book, right? I was like, oh snap, here we go. Now, now I've got a page that's just the flow chart. I've got a page that's just the character sheet. I got a page just the core game loop. And I can, I and you know, we we decided. Um, well, actually, I mean, once I realized it was all coming together, I was like, we got to pull these particular pieces out and make it a separate PDF that they can download. Mm-hmm. And have that, like you were saying, it's on your wall this mm-hmm. is exactly the same thing that the players can do is they can print out these important pieces, print it out, have it side by side with them with the book and with their writing tool of, to- of choice, whether it's a typewriter or a, you know, a Neo or a laptop or whatever. Uh, so that they can have those reference sheets handy until it gets ingrained. Cause I- I'm confident, Michael, I don't know if you've gotten to this point already, but like, as I've been dinkering with this, playing with it, um, I'm like, it, some of the, like the core game loop and the probability matrix are almost ingrained in my head. It's almost it's almost second nature. So I'm quite. yeah, I think it's at a certain point, if I play this enough, I won't need the cheat sheets to rely on it'll just be in my head. It's like, oh, I need to roll a, a 18 or 20 to get a you know probability X or whatever.
0: Yeah, I've memorized them, actually.
1: But in the meantime, <laughs> right. we, got the, we got the cheat sheets as a crutch. <gasps> mm-hmm. Therefore, um, but anyway, I think I've gone off topic. I, well,
0: no, bit. actually, one thing I want to do to kind of build confidence as much as for myself, but for you, is based off the interview you recently did with Dyson mind that I listened to by the time this airs, it'll be a month ago that you did this. Um, but you did a two part interview with Dyson mind. And there was something they said at the end of the interview, after you had finished the interview about the quality of writing in the books mm-hmm. that even if they weren't playing the game, they still want the books. And I think ha- happy to hear, you know, the, the same team that worked on those other books, many of them were also doing captain's log. So <clears throat> I wanted when I was arguing about the validity of the book, because I, whenever I sell anything, I always I have to sell it to myself first. That's my rule. So I remember having some pretty deep conversations with Al Spader, you, Allison, Aaron Paul, Ye, um, about what would make me have to have this book. And one of the things was the set of p- rules where I said, you know what, I want this set of rules to be so good for my narrative based Star Trek Adventures group, we might defer to these instead yeah. because we're so good at narration that we don't need heavy mechanics. So that was one of the things that we didn't talk about myself and Alessandra in the interview was that is that I had to sell myself on this because I'm a hardcore group player, you know, but I said and I've always played solo RPG, but by myself. I've never had a book to go by. I said, this has to be the book that I would pick up and want to reuse. So, so those are some of the you know, highlights um, with chapter five, um, these rules, how they were developed are, are, you know, hopefully they stand the test of time. Mm,
1: yeah, we'll see. Uh, I mean, I, who knows right now, it's, it's way too early to figure that piece of it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I, I think, um, I mean, having, having been involved in this game from the beginning, and, having been on social media as much as I have, and as much as you have, of course, um I, I feel like during the pandemic, like t- early two thousand was when I and we collectively really started to expand our brain and realized that there are a whole bunch of people playing this game super narratively, right? like they're 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 using the mechanics for the most part. um, but because they're doing the twitch and the youtubes and the and the actual plays and the live streams and all that stuff, they're they're not quite so concerned about getting the rules exactly right by the book. You know, rules is written raw, um, but they're they're doing enough. They're using enough of the mechanics that they're getting into the narrative flow. They're get, they got the scene and encounter structure down hard. They're using momentum. They're using threat. They're, they're making it work. Right. And uh, me personally, like when I was running my game uh, for a while there, uh, it was just turning into like a, a weekly radio drama right cuz like i mean literally we didn't even use video for our <laughs> for discord and for roll 20 and so like we were just literally just riffing off of each other and i was throwing them situations and occasionally there would be tasks to roll to keep things moving but because we were so narrative focused beyond the scope of what was originally in sta the more i look at this the more i look at this and realize oh gosh i think the next time i run an sta campaign like a long term campaign I'm probably going to be leaning more toward Captain's Log than STA. And that's no knock on STA at all. It's just, you know, the way I've been running STA really rules light. It's like, well, that's, that's almost what's here. Right. Like, like, cause like I know you and I have talked about this a lot with a, a lot of our guests in, in that, like for characters, in my opinion, the most important thing for characters in Star Trek are their values and their focuses. That is the, the big two things and then the attributes in the in the de- departments are certainly important too because that's what they're good at or, or what they, what you know what makes them them but like values focuses that is the absolute key pieces of of stuff for me to get into the game either as a player or as a game master the talents are nice but the talents are really primarily focused on changing things mechanically right which is totally great uh, and of course there are certainly great ways to take those talents and and use them narratively right to to add to the narrative and stuff um, but, you know, what I'm discovering is because we made that conscious decision in Captain's Log to just remove that piece of it. I like, just take talents out completely, um, although we did re-skin them right into focuses. Right. We, we changed a lot of the talent names into focuses, which is you know perfectly great, um, I think. Uh, and then you also streamline combat, right? You know, personal combat well, combat. well,
0: yeah. And I mean, to your point, actually, we if you think about talents and Star Trek adventures, the purpose they serve is to change probability. They add an extra d twenty. They they give you the ability to re roll. Mm-hmm. We truncated all that into the probability matrix. What's mm-hmm. the probability that this action is successful? For right. simplicity's sake, so it's there, but it's super condensed into the probability matrix. Um, and that's what that you know that's what talents play in Star Trek Adventures is just giving you a better chance.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, what I have. It's grown on me, Michael, I'll be the first to admit that, the, I mean, especially now that I've got, and, I'll show, and I'm not showing this off, just because I've got it in front of me. Once I got the, once I got. You're the, showing off,
0: you're showing off.
1: <laughs> but I, I don't have the actual book yet. So I'm, I'm a little frustrated that I can't really show it off. But it, I, what I'm trying to illustrate is that like looking at the word manuscript was one thing, looking at the PDF of the layout was another thing. But like once I actually got it in my hand and I'm able to flip through the pages and I'm actually able to see the stuff on the page, Right in front of my face, just like just like if I'm a fan buying this book for the first time, like like this is so accessible um, as a storyteller, so that I I don't have to think about the mechanics or or where the story's going. I can just go to that probability matrix or or any of the probability matrices and say, well, shoot, I need a I need a character to interact with here. You know, roll, 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 boom, boom, boom. I'm done. i, I now. I'm, now I'm mm-hmm. my creativity is sparked again, and I'm up and running. Uh, so that's that's really been helpful for me. And I damn it, I lost my train of thought. Well, it's
0: good. No, and I want to say, you know, we have cheat cheat sheet boxes in chapter five telling yeah. you which probability matrices to use when. So. That that's where we're at. You know, uh, I'm I'm really hoping that the rules are digestible. I, I want everyone to remember you just use the word accessible. In addition to the game being accessible, we're accessible, as, you know, on social media, um, if you have questions, right?
1: Yeah. Um, although I don't want I don't want people to lean on that as a crutch, right? Like, because someday, this book will be out there in the world to enjoy. And you and I may not be here right or we may not be accessible anymore like who knows right i mean well but
0: well cuz we'll be too busy writing a star trek show together
1: <laughs> or maybe these books will stand the test of time and 50 years from now somebody else will be using it as a
0: as a story prompt or something but um, well when prodigy comes back they're going to invite us to write it so go, i think we'll be super you know. busy doing that um, but in the meantime everybody if you have any questions about the
1: game or you want to get another example of how to play it reach out to michael reach out to me we'll help you out um but now i exactly. now i remember what my point was michael um uh, what what has grown on me by looking at it in this format as a book um, is that it, it reminds me of what you exactly said a few minutes ago about about Nathan, is that not only is this a storytelling aid and a way to tell stories, you know, even better, more effectively, et cetera, it's also a game, right? And, and that's the piece of it that I struggled with for a little while there, because I remember you and I had this conversation where I was like, well, you know, here I am, I'm working through it. Why would I even roll in the probability matrix, right? Like I'm a writer. I already know what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And, and you pushed back a few times and I, and I apologize. I, you know, I will po- apologize. Oh, apologize. no, I
0: thrive under, I, um, I love conflict first of all. Conflict grows. So keep I going. Hate I hate conflict. I love conflict. Oh, the but, universe but, uh, can't exist without, you'd have no I sun know. without conflict. So I know. <laughs> I know.
1: But anyway, so you pushed back and you said, well, instead of just making it up, let the probability matrix help you tell a story, you know, let, let, let the game be the game and play the game. And I was like, ah, oh, damn, that's right. It's a game. Uh, it's not just a, it's not just a bunch of storytelling prompts. You know, it's not just a bunch of uh, uh, things you pull out of a three by five card deck and, and go, Oh, I'm going to go, r- go write that. There's a, there's a, there's probability here. There's, there's unpredictability, there's dice that's involved. And uh, I don't know why it took me so long to make that connection. But I, I know on other shows we talked about um, Pendragon, right? Pendragon is one of my one of my top four favorite RPGs ever. And one of the things I love about Pendragon is that the the system that Greg Stafford created, um, all the characters have a set of uh, thirteen values, or, or I don't remember what they're called. They're the traits or something. And 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 they're on a, they're each of them are opposed, and they're on a scale of one to twenty, right? So you could be uh, you know, chaste or lustful or bashful or courageous or, you know, um, earthy or spiritual or whatever. So there's these 13 mm-hmm. things that are on the scale. And and at, in character generation, your character, you establish where they are on the scale for each of those. So you might have like a 16 chaste and a four lustful or whatever or reverse or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, as your character is playing the game and as you're going through situations, you your character might end up in a place where their values are being tested. And you might not know what they're gonna do. Like, like in, it would, what's in your best interest as a player may not be in, in the character's best interest. So, you roll on those random things and you have to accept what happens. So, like, you know, if your character is in a, in a banquet or something and they're trying to be chased because they're a knight and they don't wanna get involved, but they fail and then they <laughs> go on to they take the lustful route, then you gotta go with it and just see what happens. So, that, that's a, it's a really neat mechanic where the, the character does something that the player may not want them to do. Just because it's a game, and because the character is not the player, right? They, they have—it sounds weird to say that they have some agency because they're just you know statistics on a page. But <laughs> when you're in a role-playing game, they're more than that, right? And I so I so I think Star Trek Adventures certainly does that to a different degree, where the characters are much bigger than I have more knowledge than the player, right? Because like you know we we've never been to Starfleet Academy, we don't serve on a starship, we don't we can't possibly know what what a Picard or a, or a Wes, Wesley or a Riker know, but but we are role-playing them to the best of our ability. But mm-hmm. we have to rely on the character knowing stuff, and that's why we have task resolution and focuses and so on and so forth. But anyway, so my point is um, I, I finally grokked the idea that this is a game. And so as a story, natural storyteller, I've I've learned to loosen up a little bit and just let the game help me tell the story, right? And so I'm really enjoying that piece of it now as I, as I play with this um, on the side here when I have time. Um, And so I would just encourage, you know, (laughs) people who are checking this game out, this book, this book and this game out, um, use those probability matrices, use the use the tools that are here for you, because it'll it'll help break down any blocks you might have. And and it'll actually make you more creative,
0: in my opinion. Um, I agree. You're going to see our and again, you're going to see in two episodes from now us doing it. So they'll get a chance to to see that. All right, good. Well, again, you know, I have to give a big thank you to Allison for uh, working with our schedule and my schedule to get the interview and Jim. Again, Mm -hmm. thank you for pushing on um, helping develop this amazing rule set and putting us to task. So so should we head off to gratitude? Uh,
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I, I mean, I have not seen your interview with Allison yet. So this will be an exciting surprise. I'm gonna assume you both of you went down into the weeds on on like uh, personal combat, starship combat, all that stuff. We did. But if there's anything
0: you want to highlight, I'd love to hear it. yeah
1: uh, you know, I, I don't know that I need to highlight anything other than I thought the team collectively did a really nice job of streamlining streamlining everything and uh, you know, breaking combat down into uh, you know just a handful of hits as opposed to tracking stress and whatever. Um, I thought that was really useful and i'm i'm curious to see how the fans react to that um but i like it i mean i think it's i think it's a neat alternative mode to um the full blown sta um and i also appreciate that uh we we've made it we collectively made it work so that someone playing captain's log should have a fairly easy transition over to sta if they want to like you know graduate to sta um it should be a fairly fairly i mean you know knock on wood it's a fairly painless transition but then going the opposite direction, too, if you're playing STA and you want to do captain's log for some of your interstitials things or you want to just, you know, um, add more color to an episode that you don't talk about. You haven't talked about. Um, it should be a fairly easy lift to go from STA to captain's log.
0: We, we you know, we talked about that uh, to add on. I think we're actually going to see a subset of players. Who, for instance, a game master or a player whose group can't get together for three weeks, but that one person has the time that sometimes that's me where they're going to say, hey, I'm going to go have a side adventure with my character. I'm going to make sure that it stays boxed in. It's not going to affect the other canon, but it's going to give me something to talk about. I I actually think we're going to see that developing as a subset, Jim, and I can't wait to hear those stories. I want to I want to have a whole episode riffing about that concept
1: in a couple of months. Once this once this is hit. And start settling in. I'd love to do that. Uh, one one question I do have, Michael, just kind of flipping through the book here. Did, did did you and Allison have an opportunity to talk about the uh, the collaborative collaborative storytelling and uh, guided um, options that you can do with this book in addition to solo play?
0: You know, honestly, we didn't go into super detail. It was a skim on it. But what what did you want to highlight about that?
1: I just wanted to highlight the fact that uh, you know, uh, gamers, if you're if you're thinking about this book. And you're not sure how quite like what the use case is <laughs> to use a business term. Um, you know, this is a obviously a solo RPG, so it's got all these you know probability matrices in it, random tables, oracles. Other games call them. Uh, we decided to go with probability matrix because that sounded you know very Star Trekky and very appropriate. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, you know, if you have a group of players or a group of friends who all want to play this game together, but none of you really want to be like you don't want the work or the responsibility of being a game master then let the book do that work and and just each of you create a character and then just get into the narrative and use the probability matrices and use the random tables to like, what happens next, what happens next? And Mm -hmm. just keep yes yes anding as a group and get into it. Um, And then the next piece of it is maybe you do have a game master and you want something of like a more traditional RPG experience where you have a game master and then a group of players. Um, You can still, you can do that certainly with this game too, because again, lean on the, Probability matrices. Lean on the tools that are in the book, so that the game master maybe you don't have to do quite as much work. You don't have to do a lot of prep time. You don't have to do a lot of um, you know late night planning or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this is another riff episode that I want to do. Michael is is taking Captain's log. I would. I want us to at some point take Captain's log and take some random mission brief out of the hundreds of mission briefs that we have available now, and like get you and me and a couple other people on the call. Let's do it. <laughs> And like, literally, we're going to play Captain's <clears> Log tonight, bring a character, like, like, let's not spend the whole night creating characters, or or we do the creation and play even. Yep. We do creation and play and just like mm-hmm. have some basic elements of the characters in place. And then let's just take this mission brief and, and play collaboratively. No Game Master, let's just do it together and see what happens. And then do a separate episode sometime where one of us volunteers to be the, the Game Master, but it's really more of a facilitator because we're not actually you know, really dictating what happens. We're just relying on the book. I would love to do those episodes at some point. It doesn't
0: have to be on launch, but maybe down the road. And just to let you know, I touched on a little bit in the interview with Allison, but let's talk about it again, about that collaborative. Captain's Log is the book you can take with you on a camping trip. And all you need is 2D20 dice. Mm -hmm. Right. Because you don't need all the tokens. You don't need all the maps. You don't need all that. And you could sit around the fire campfire and play that campfire. Yes. And game. I don't know if you've ever done it, but someone starts telling a story. Yeah. And then once you're like, hey, I passed the book to you. Roll some prompts. Yes. And then what happens to this character or what happens to our crew? So I really feel that this is going to be my this is the book I'm carrying with me on on vacation because I can just keep continuing the story. But I actually have my nephew who's eight years old and we already sit around the fire playing Yes. And in my backyard around the fire pit. And wow. now I'm like, oh, he's going to love this when we start rolling dice to help him prompt. So I plan to play it with oh. my eight year old, nine year, he's nine now, but I plan to play it with him and see how he reacts to it because it's what we do already around the campfire.
1: Yeah. Oh man, Michael, that's fascinating. Cause, cause what, what, what sparked, sparked my brain while you were talking is, um, uh, we could, or, or somebody, anyway, it doesn't have to be us, but somebody could take this, this book and use it as a, um, a teaching tool for writing. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, and what I'm thinking is like you got a group of people in a room. You got a whiteboard, and you're like, okay, go through the book. Let's come up with five prompts for a character, a non, a, a, a an adversary, a setting, um, a situation. Uh, you know, an advantage, a complication. You know, you can you you can pre-roll eight or nine elements. Right, write those all down, and then tell those people in the workshop, okay, write a five thousand word short story including these including these yeah. six
0: elements. Go. Can I trip you out even more? Yeah. So I know this is going to be back in time because next week's episode is when I first learned about it. We're actually taping this before next week's episode because we're Star Trek and we can do that and we don't pay attention to the time continuum whatsoever. But last week inside of me to purchase Hack the Cat. And the subsequent Hack the Cat book about oh, screenplay, right? Save, save the, the cat. cat. Sorry, save the, I sound yeah. the Hack yep. the Cat. Save yep. the Cat. So I purchased both books. I've been reading it. I'm halfway through the first book. <clears throat> so get this, Jim, to your point, in, in Hack the oh, sorry, I don't know why I'm calling it Hack the Cat. Maybe I shouldn't, you know what? Hold on. Let me digress for a moment. <laughs> I actually wanted to write a book where I follow his rules and write a book how I followed the rules to create a screenplay. Oh, nice. Okay, so I I, I want to work like that. I want to show people how I follow the rules. And so therefore, that's why I keep thinking hack the cat because mm-hmm. I want to write a book called Hack the Cat. <laughs> okay, so so anyways, now it's saved the cat, but <clears throat> what I've already been planning to do because he talks about the, I call it the four act structure because he has act one, act two, part A, act two, part B, and then he has act three. Each one should have 10 index cards. I plan to use captain's log to see if I can actually write out a story that way using the probability matrices, but following the save the cat method. I love it. Okay. So I'm trying to mix all these things together. I'm the kind, when I read something, I actually have to get my hands dirty to remember it. And yep. it's such good information. So to your point, I think that this book could be the creative exercise that we're both fiending off of. I think writers or want be writers are going to learn to write with Captain's Log and that would be such a boon if it ever does that for Oh my people. gosh, I would lose my mind. That would
1: be so amazing. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so and <laughs> before we get too far ahead of ourselves, folks, <laughs> let's, let's go <laughs> on to gratitude and uh, okay. wrap this one up.
0: Sure, so my gratitude, I'm gonna repeat, I did it weeks ago, but again, I wanna you know go ahead and thank you, Jim Johnson as project manager, giving me the opportunity to be lead writer. Um, the rules were developed uh, myself, but of course, Josh Allen, Allison Seib did heavy lifting, yourself and Samantha Webb. And additional writing came in from Rachel Cruz, Nathan Dowdell, Keith Garrett, John Kennedy, Fred Love, Chris McCarver, Aaron Paul Yeh, Jacob Ross, and Al Spader. So, again, the uh, great things don't happen in a vacuum and it takes a village. And definitely, I'm hoping that this is groundbreaking, um, this rule set, and it really changes people's lives. So, that's my gratitude. Mm, very nice
1: yeah, and I think i'll I'll echo that. I'll say thank you to um all the writers involved in the book, our our incredible diverse group of uh, of people who've come along on the ride for Star Trek Adventures for so long now. Grateful for all of them. Grateful for you, Michael, for taking on this challenge and uh, and being available and willing to take on the work uh, when I really needed a lift. <laughs> uh, that's a, that was a that was a godsend. and uh, I don't think I can thank you enough for that. Uh, but thank you, you thank you. you. You and the team delivered. Um, You know, collectively, I, I had my piece of it, but I, it was it was you and Allison and uh, and um uh, Josh and uh, and Al I mean, everybody you mentioned uh, had a, had big roles in this and making it work. And of course, you know, thank you to Nathan for creating Star Trek Adventures in the first place, the rule set, because uh, we were able to use that as uh, as the launching point for this. And 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 his great award winning system made it relatively easy. Right, we just had to figure out. Okay, what can we take out without breaking it, right? Exactly. I think, I think we got there, but we'll have to see how that goes. But thanks to all of, all of you, all of them. Um, I, I've said it before, but thanks to all the writing mentors I've had over the years, whether they knew it or not, I've learned so much from them. And we tried to apply that, all my learning, all your learning, and all of everybody else's learning into the book. I hope it's there. And uh, in you a know, uh, uh, um, humble way, I hope this helps other writers down the road to be more creative and to think differently and to think outside the box and you know all that
0: great stuff. Just you know, hopefully more great tools for you to play with. yep uh, I think we're gonna have to go on the road, Jim, and we're just gonna have to teach storytelling at conferences at some point uh, as our side with gig. This, with this. Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: yeah. cool. it's like, they, and teaching all the <laughs> great values of Star Trek, right? Like leadership, diversity, inclusion, teamwork, exactly. all that stuff. Anyway, so all that being said, uh, finally, I gotta thank the fans. Like uh, all the fans of Star Trek Adventures, all the Star Trek fans, all the casual Star Trek fans, Without you, we would not be doing this. If we were seven years strong now. We would not still be here if you weren't still enjoying our products, talking about our products, getting people involved. Uh, the fan base is so supportive of each other. I see it every week, and I'm so excited to see that because it makes it so much easier to do our job to make cool stuff for you. Because like you keep you keep enjoying it, and you share it with other people, and you get other people involved, and we're just building this nice ecosystem of of fan support. And it's a it's a joy, seriously, every day to go on social media and see what all the cool stuff people are doing with this game. It's just so, so humbling and, and exciting because uh, I, I just love it. Um, anyway, so that's, that's all gonna right. guys for tonight. So
0: Sounds good.
1: IDIC, everybody. Live long and prosper. Be safe, be well. And we'll talk to you all next time.